with Headbands of Hope being a for-profit company, we're not worried about getting donations. We're not asking people for money. We're providing them a value. We're providing them a product. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of the Flip Mahal podcast. I can't believe that it's been so long we, we had anybody from LeaderCast because it's one of the best conferences being in Atlanta. Having LeaderCast here is, is pretty cool. And last year, I saw Jess Ekstrom speaking at LeaderCast. Phenomenal presentation. It's all around this. This I let her share more about it, but I was totally moved. And I thought, I want to figure out a way to get her to come speak to the audience that we have on the podcast and just share her journey, how she came up with the idea, the business she runs. And she also has a book coming up uh, pretty soon. So a whole bunch of different things, but I feel like her journey and her story is just just phenomenal. So hopefully it warms everybody's hearts. So Jess, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, LeaderCast has opened so many doors, so I'm glad you were one of them. Oh, it is. It is absolutely. So I will be speaking next year at LeaderCast and I'm, I'm beyond pumped. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. That's yeah. going to be great. It's truly the experience of a lifetime. Absolutely. All right, so after we're done talking, maybe I'll take some notes from you. Yeah. And learn more about how how did because I see you everywhere and you're doing some some phenomenal things. So let's start with a fun fact about yourself. Yeah. So fun fact: I'm actually living full time in an airstream. <laughs> so when we first started talking, I was like, if it looks like I'm in a spaceship, it's because I live in a trailer now. I, I was traveling so much for speaking and um, headbands of hope, you know, hospital donations that we decided to just take it full time on the road. So I am. And if you hear thunder, that's literally, I mean, we are in the woods, so you're getting the real experience, but yeah, so we're in an Airstream. We're actually ambassadors for Airstream. So it's been really cool to be a part of their brand too. That is really, really good. And where are you uh, right now? You said in, uh... we're in um, Hill city, South Dakota. So right around the corner from Mount Rushmore traveling to Casper next week to speak. And yeah, it's, it's, we're doing it. Yeah. I mean, what a cool experience. What a cool experience to actually do that and then do that with your husband and, uh, you know, a lot of cool stuff. So could you share very briefly the, because I've watched so many of your videos and, and, and conversations like, I mean, it's a, it's a really heartfelt story. So as much justice you could do in a short period of time of like, why did you start this company? Because the why is really, really unique and important. And then maybe just share a little bit about the business model, because I think we, we had Brian Halligan, who's the CEO of HubSpot on this podcast. And he said to me something, which I, I don't think I'll ever want to forget, which is he said that companies now need to figure out and think about business model innovation as opposed to product innovation. And that struck to me because I feel that there, you know, you know, if you like, you think about Tom's shoes, for example, which I'm sure there was some of that inspiration there. And as you thought about it, there wasn't a need for another shoe in the world, but the business model and the thought and the story behind it was so powerful that it made the, why so many people know and buy. And I feel like your story is so unique, so heartfelt, so 
deep. At the same time, it's also business innovation. And majority of the people listening to the podcast are in marketing or sales or a leadership position. So I want them to hear both the heart story that you have and why you started, but also the business part of it is to like, how are you, how are you actually making money? Yeah. And that quote reminds me of Sarah Blakely when she says, fall in love with the problem, not the product. And I think that that's where business innovation really comes from is focusing on the problem and then what products can you create just to solve that. So that really leads into my story starting Headbands of Hope. I was interning for Make-A-Wish and I was seeing a bunch of kids that were losing their hair to chemotherapy and they'd be offered, you know, wigs or they'd be given hats. And a lot of them weren't really concerned with covering up their heads. They just wanted something where they could feel good about themselves after losing their hair. And so I would see them wearing headbands. And I thought that was just the coolest gesture, but it wasn't something that initially hit me as like, oh, let me make this happen. And it wasn't until I was working with this one girl and her name was Renee and she wanted to go to Disney World to meet Sleeping Beauty. And she unfortunately was too sick to go on her wish. So I actually ended up going to her house dressed as Sleeping Beauty. And I was just, it was a moment that was, being there just kind of changed everything for me. And I realized that I wanted to be able to help create those moments for kids and headbands were the way that I thought I could do that. So the funny that you mentioned Tom Shoes, Blake, the founder had spoken at my school a few weeks earlier. I was going to NC State at the time I was in college. And he talks about this, this business model of one for one and how it's this rise of for purpose businesses and how he wants to see other companies taking this approach and running with it. And so I knew that Headbands of Hope was, you know, there was the need there. And I think entrepreneurship is really about creating what you wish existed. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have all of the fancy business plans or, you know, all of this knowledge, but I felt like, oh my gosh, sorry, the thunder is really hard. Oh, I mean, this is good. I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so going to be unless they're listening like middle of the summer and they're like, what's going on? Uh, yeah, we are in the middle of, you're really getting the full Airstream experience. I apologize. But so as I was saying, I wanted to create something that filled that need. And so at Headbands of Hope, for every headband sold, we donate one to a child with cancer. And we are a for-profit business. And I think that that in the beginning, I was like, oh, the only way that we can do something good is if we get nothing in return. Yeah, But I think that you shouldn't have to choose between making a living and making a difference. Mm. And consumerism is changing to reflect that. You know, it's not just about dollars and transactions. It's, it's what happens after that. Where do you want to see your money spent? What are they going to do with it? So I honestly believe that there's not going to be social entrepreneurship anymore. It's just going to be entrepreneurship because I think that doing your part as a business is not going to be some trendy, you know, marketing thing. It's just going to be an expectation for all businesses. Yeah. I, I love that story. I, and, and I feel like there are so many nonprofits. I almost wonder like, is there another need for another nonprofit truly? Uh, because, you know, you, I was reading an article last week in business week that there are still about 2.1 billion people who do not have access to clean water. Mm -hmm. My heart just dropped thinking about them. Like, wait a minute, there are probably a thousand, if not more, water charities. And there are probably hundreds of thousands of folks who are spending money on this thing, like billions of dollars. With all that being said, 
how is it possible that there's the same problem still exists for the one third of the world? And, and I, I couldn't reconcile that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that one of the things about entrepreneurship that I said before is like creating what you wish existed. So those problems that we see, seeing them as opportunities. Yes. Go ahead and, and share like what, what your thoughts were about the, the opportunity, even though there's so much of like nonprofits existed. And I, I really I love your point of social entrepreneurship versus entrepreneurship. And, but I'm, I'm baffled by the fact that there are so many nonprofits and still the problems in the world exist. And which makes me wonder, like, as a matter of fact, there needs to be more businesses like yours and Tom yeah. Shoes that needs to exist because it creates it's creates some sort of focus on, on getting things done as opposed to just fully nonprofit. Yeah, I think the culture around business is changing generationally. You know, I hate to admit this on your podcast, but I am a millennial. And <laughs> that was something that I, you know, would try to hide around all the connotations around it. But if there's something that can be said about my generation and also, you know, other generations rising right now is our, I feel like our American dream has changed. Mm. And I know, you know, growing up, I watched my parents do everything right. And then, you know, the 2008 hit and they, so much of their hard work was like, for what? And so I think we're being not so concerned about the white picket fence and stability and thinking about leaving, leaving your mark. But also at the end of the day, it's no, no surprise that bills have to be paid. So I think with this shift of like what the American dream is for people and growing up in a time where that's questioned for you, it forces you to think about different career paths that can satisfy both. You want to make a living, you want to make a difference. You don't want to have this tug of war between passion and paycheck all the time. So I think that that's where these four purpose businesses are starting to rise. And not to say that nonprofits aren't doing amazing work, but I think that with, when you think about a lot of the success of nonprofits, it's also when they team up with for-profit businesses. Yeah. So if you can kind of create the hybrid of both of them and with Headbands of Hope being a for-profit company, we're not worried about getting donations. We're not asking people for money. We're providing them a value. We're providing them a product. And so we can put all of our time and energy into that instead of worried about applying for grants or worrying about where the next, you know, dollars are going to come in. So I think that that, that's changing. Yeah, I, I love that you, you said that because I feel every nonprofit I know, they're in a constant fundraising mode, constant mm-hmm. fundraising mode. And, and I wonder how much of that effort is really true. And in a way, you're actually funding nonprofits, right? By giving, and I looked at your website, you have now multiple different things that you are serving and giving as, as an organization. So in many ways, you are like a pipeline of revenue stream or funding stream for some of these nonprofits. Yeah, yeah. We do something called Headband Together where we team up with childhood cancer nonprofits and we donate 10% of our sales for a week to that childhood cancer nonprofit. So there's some amazing nonprofits out there like St. Baldrick's and you know Rachel Henley Foundation where it is so cool to team up with people who are on either the research side or you know patient life. But I do think that there's every time someone takes out their wallet it's not just about what they're getting now, but what's going to happen after that. It's the transparency of not just, you know, with, if you give back or how you give back, how can I yeah. see that? So we actually provide um, a donation confirmation email at Headbands of Hope. When you order online, you get an email two weeks later with the exact hospital that your headbands just went to. 
so I think it's, you know, a part of being a socially good business and we still have a bunch of ways that we can definitely improve, but is being transparent and raising the bar for businesses to come. I'm not just saying that we donate some of our sales. Okay. Well, how much, where, how, what happens after that? Yeah. The transparency is key. Now, yeah. how are you running your business from an airstream all over the world? Like, <laughs> so, so now talk to the business people who are now wondering like, okay, that all sounds cool, but yeah. are you really running a business? Are you yeah. really doing something? So, so give them a little bit of flavor of like, what do your meetings look like? What your revenue, like, you know, may, may not be numbers, but like just things, the number of people on the team, like some flavor of like, you're running a business. Yeah. Well, meetings look a lot like this where unexpected thunder pops out of nowhere and <laughs> you have to pause a podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, it's being in an Airstream has definitely um, taught me to just flow with things and go with it, uh, it, which is testing the planner in me. But I spent about the past year, year and a half really getting my business in a place where I can focus on the deep work and, and really spend my time there. And I have an amazing team at Headbands of Hope and just now kind of building a team on some of the speaking and book writing stuff that we're doing. And I've also learned that like, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you think that um, no one will care about your business as much as you do. And, you know, I need to wear all the hats and oh, no one will do this as good as I can. And I am so happy that I have been so wrong in that assumption. And the team that Headbands of Hope that has been created I mean, they care about this as if it's their own. And I think that's something to be said when you have a mission-driven company. Yeah. You know, there's that deep personal investment that you take in your work. And so it's not just from an entrepreneur's perspective, but from a company culture's perspective as a whole of like, you know, when your alarm clock goes off or the winds, you feel them so deep. So one of the reasons I'm able to work from the road, being ambassadors for Airstream, they outfitted us to have what's called Airstream Connected. So we have like an entire Wi-Fi hub, which is great. But I think that being able to meet people face-to-face, traveling around the country, it's the deep work that I'm able to do now. And even just the times when you don't have service, I don't think we put ourselves on airplane mode enough. My team always jokes whenever I am like driving or flying or I don't have service is when I get all these ideas. (laughs) Because we don't give ourselves the room to think like that because we're always just in reaction mode of to texts, emails, all of that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So some quiet time has actually been really good for work. Oh, it's it's awesome. I don't know if you do that or not. Like, well, you're you're like now driving around. So a little bit different for you, but whenever I'm traveling, I actually love, I have no connection. I typically would not open up, my laptop, or even if I open up my laptop, I would not connect to connect to the Wi-Fi and just either read or come up with ideas yeah. or work on a thought that I'm trying to figure out. It's yeah. like the best time to do it. And did you uh, always know that about yourself though? Or was that did you have to force yourself to do that? I mean it became a thing because as I started to travel more, all of a sudden I felt like, wait a minute, when I'm in the office, I'm so much busy, right? And that's mm-hmm. for anybody who's listening is like I'm busy from like every single meeting back to back. And all of a sudden, the week I'm traveling, I have no meetings and the work and the work is still happening. Like we went from a team of about three co-founders to about 200 people right here in Atlanta in the last five years as we grew. And, and it, it works. I don't need to yeah. be in every single meeting and everything. And, and that taught me like, oh my goodness, I actually could do 
something more meaningful to your point of deep. So work on partnerships. So on purpose, sometimes mm-hmm. I would extend my time from a day to two days so that I could have a think time. And it yeah. And it's also like, I think it shows a trust to your team too, to not be breathing down their neck and not need to have your approval and everything. And it's humbling and it's wonderful to realize how sometimes unimportant you are. You're like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't need to, I'm not the focal point of this universe. I can yes. fall off the grid for a few days and, you know, like there's still color and life goes on. Okay. So I, yeah, I think that, that everyone should kind of get that dose of reality too. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. I think in a startup world, four years is, or five years where, where we have just reached is supposed to be like a, you know, a long time. Yeah. And typically at this time, people take a month, two months, three months sabbatical because you kind of get burnt out, quite honestly. And yeah. You are in this go, go, go mode. And I have a you know, wife and two kids. And we try to now do this thing of like treating our weekends as vacation. So mm. Friday, 7 p.m. onwards, like my phone is off and I give it all to my wife or we put it in a desk. We don't need me and my wife. You don't need two phones if you yeah. put family together. That's a great point. So she has her phone. I don't even have my phone. And I'm a pretty social guy. Like I'm on LinkedIn. All That's where I post almost daily. Mm-hmm. But from Friday to Monday, 7 a.m., I don't have my phone with me. That's so awesome. that That's where you feel so like refreshed and recharged after that. But the first day is like, you know, I have this like panic attack of like, I feel like your limb is missing. You're like, where's my hand? Yeah. yeah. I think something, you know, with this trip in the Airstream and I read this book called Dark Horse. It's really, mm-hmm. it's really great. But he talks about how fulfillment is not this like end goal destination. It's a choice that we make every day. And mm-hmm. so I don't want to live my life always working towards something and feeling like, that's the finish line. I want to wake up every day and do something that I love. And that for me is, you know, what I'm doing as an entrepreneur, but that could also be someone who wakes up and loves, you know, working at Starbucks and making coffee for someone. Like it can be so, it could be walking dogs. It could be anything, but just listening to that instead of hoping and waiting for some sort of retirement or an exit. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be waiting for something that I want to be just fulfilled right now. You want to be doing. All right, let's talk yeah. about your book. What is the book? Oh, yeah. When is it coming? And, and why are you writing this book? So I'm taking it up a notch. When I was 12, I got published in Chicken Soup for the Soul. So I know, I know my, all my fans, my middle school fans have been waiting. They're like, Jess, when, when are you going to write another book? <laughs> <laughs> years later now here we are so it's called uh, chasing the bright side i almost said chicken soup for the soul i was like that is not the name of my book but it uh is coming out with harper collins november 5th beautiful and it is one of the things that i noticed over the years of starting headbands of hope and just kind of life itself was there's always this connection in the narrative of success that success is derived from skill or, you know, this impressive schooling or this extensive background or natural abilities. And so when that's the case, that's how we measure success. We sometimes just take ourselves out of the the game before it even begins. Yeah. But starting Headbands of Hope, I started with just this optimistic belief of making, just wanting to make something better. 
And that's what optimism really is, is just looking at the world and how can I make it better? And so chasing the bright side is really training ourselves to be more optimistic so we can make it better, whatever that is to us, better relationships, better, you know, company culture, better life, better organizations, and using my story of Headbands of Hope and everything along the way for that. But it's really, we can be so quick to take ourselves out of the game when we feel like we're not qualified, but really the people who do the big things are the ones that believe they can do it. So that is what uh, Chasing the Bright Side is is about. So I'm really excited about it. It's kind of scary though, writing a book. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, awesome. you, you put it all out there and uh, you're like, wait, someone's actually going to read this? Yes. Yeah. And when is it coming out? November 5th. So November. we still have some time, but yeah, so it'll come out in November and we'll kind of start a book tour and an airstream. So might be popping through your city. We already have the side of the airstream wrapped in chasing the bright side. So you'll be able to see it. <laughs> that is cool. You got to send me a pic and I will. Yeah. Put it out there. Yeah. Oh, man. This is so cool. All right. So I got a, I got a whole bunch of, bunch of notes from this. I'm going to try to summarize a couple of big ideas and we'll add more to the show notes and love for you to share a challenge with people yeah. listening to the podcast that are that that do that do need a dose of optimism in their life, right? You know, mm-hmm. everybody works hard, they get kind of drained. People are a lot of times become pessimistic just because they feel like, you know, they, they're not everything is not going the way they want. And I think mm-hmm. your fulfillment and what really is, is is a big part of it. So I love for you to think about that as I yeah as I share a couple of big ideas what you shared. I love 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 when you said Sarah, Sarah Rakeley her quote on fall in love with the problem, not the product. Yeah. Because one of uh, one of our personal belief here at Terminus is this idea that you know it, it really matters that you the, that the problem market fit exists over product market fit. Your product can change twenty million different times, but the problem that you're solving should never change because that's right. right. So I love yeah, that you love. Yeah, glad you brought that up. The second part, I love this. I never heard this before, so this is really cool. Entrepreneurship is creating what you wish existed. Yeah. Well, I think it makes me feel better. I'm like, I can do that. But when you research entrepreneurship, when you talk to entrepreneurs, when you think about everything that goes into it, it's so easy to scare yourself out of the complexity. But at its core, it's really not that complex. It's, you know, if there was a shoe that you're looking for that's on the market, if there's this, you know, certain mat that you want in your car and you can't find it anywhere, then that's, those are where the, like some of the best ideas lie because you're, you're solving that need. Totally. I love that. I, I want everybody to just remember this creating what you wish existed is what entrepreneurship. And then the other part, I love that we're talking about this idea of like not trying to just you know, think about you have to go nonprofit or for profit because mm-hmm. you could do both. And you're a great example, which is why I really wanted you to be on the podcast is that, and, and you said it really well, you don't have to really choose between paycheck and passion. You can mm-hmm. And I feel today when people are working at their jobs, they could do that too. You have to go start a company to do that, they, but they could. And you are a great example of that. Uh, Tom Shoes is a great example of that. But I feel like people can probably do that while you're, they're working on it in today yeah. at their jobs. Um, so I love that you talked about, don't, don't try to choose. You could combine and think about combining that with making a living versus making a difference. And I think um, with that, though, I just want to add that sometimes, you know, in order to feel like we're making a difference, we have to sacrifice what we're doing and 
travel abroad or do something like that. But meaningful work is something that is also our responsibility to instill that. So it might not be the company that you work for that is slapping it on your office every day of the pictures and everything. But like meaningful work is not something that's assigned to you. It's created by you. And so making those connections, building like what you love into your work is something that is our own responsibility. I think sometimes we wait, we put that responsibility in our employer's hands or our team's hands where it's like, find what is meaningful to you and then instill that into your work. Oh, I love that. Meaningful work is created by you, not assigned to you. I think, exactly. I think that's a great idea, a great point. And then the last part is to, to, I think everybody needs to hear this loud and clear, put yourself in an airplane mode at least one, you know, once a yeah. week, once a day for a few minutes, hours or whatnot. That is so key. Yeah, it really is. And it's something that I need to practice as I preach for sure. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Yeah. So with all those points, what is the one challenge that you want to give to everybody who's listening to, to this, this thing of, and then those of optimism, given the chasing the bright side is coming up soon? Yeah, I think one thing I would challenge people to change in their mindset is when you experience something hard or adversity or when something doesn't go your way. Because optimism is not about being happy all the time. You know, it's not a positivity pledge. It's about what can I do to create something better, whether that's in our future, you know. And so hard times actually give us a choice. They can be the excuse as to why we do less, or they can be the reason as to why we do more. Mm -hmm. And so I think I would challenge everyone when they experience something that is hard, whether it's even just like an interaction that didn't go well in your day or something as big as an issue in your company, ask yourself, is this the excuse or is this the reason? Is this going to be something that I hide behind or something that I lean in and pioneer towards? And sometimes when you just look at your experiences and and remind yourself that you're not, you know, just floating in the wind and a victim of what life throws at you, you can be a warrior of your own story and make that choice of how it affects you. It's a total shift in your mindset that you can really do some great things for. I mean, Headbands of Hope started from a hard time being seeing kids with cancer. And instead of the excuse, it became the reason to build something. So I would hope everyone might follow that. I love that. I love that, Jess. So call to action for everybody. Go look at Headbands for Hope. It, it's a yeah. fantastic organization. Check it out. And also the book coming up. Is it on Amazon already for people? Yeah, to- yeah. You, it's, it's, it's hidden on there because we just started. But you can go to chasingthebrightside.com um, and check it out. And you can go to headbandsofhope.com and see what we're about too. That's awesome. Jess, thank you so much for giving us a peek into your Airstream yeah. a little bit and oh, uh, you. your life. And the story is, as I said, heartwarming. For sure. Yeah, thanks for bearing through the, the storm. And uh, I can't wait to see you at LeaderCast. I'm so excited for you. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.